You are now entering Frida's world. Join us as we address various issues facing women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. Whose world is this? It's Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f*** with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world. Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. Happy Wednesday. Happy hump day. And as always, I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful week so far. And, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself, we are about to enter the month of February. Like January is gone. Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday, which I'm. it kind of crept up on me. Maybe because, I don't know, ever since the whole Colin Kaepernick thing, I really haven't been so much into the NFL. Not to say that I was a diehard NFL fan to begin with. I mean, I grew up on public television, so therefore sports is definitely a big part of my life. But... You know, I'm not necessarily a football fan. I have teams that I like, but I'm not diehard. So I had, I really, it escaped me that Super Bowl Sunday was literally around the corner. Um, But it is. And Saturday is, is it Saturday that's Groundhog's Day? I think it might be Sunday that's Groundhog's Day as well. It is. So it's going to be Groundhog's Day, which means I think you would think that I would know this. I, I, <laughs> I was born in America and went to, you know, public school. You would think that I would know because every year it was a big thing where we, you know, celebrated or I guess acknowledged Groundhog's Day. I think if the groundhog sees its shadow, we have six more weeks of winter. But if it does not, spring will be coming soon, allegedly. I feel like the groundhog definitely duped us last year though i feel like last year he saw his shadow but we still had like 10 more weeks of winter so (laughs) i really don't know if i believe in this stuff anymore to be honest but needless to say february is on its way valentine's day is in february but outside of these little holidays february is black history month and it's probably the most important month at least for black people <laughs> well actually no after december which is my birthday and several of my family members birthday and jesus's birthday but outside of december february is the next important month because it's black history month it's that that month where we get to you know showcase to the world that hey <laughs> we're awesome um And I think we have the extra day this year. I think this is the leap year. So I don't know. I feel like February is going to be a great year. But either way, (laughs) either way, just wanted to thank you guys again for tuning in to the show. I really appreciate all the love and support from all of you. I just want to give you guys a reminder to please go on to our website, www.fridasworld.com so that you could sign up for the newsletter. Like I had said in prior episodes, you know, we're really, you know, going to be revamping a lot of things. And so there's going to be giveaways, there's going to be contests, there's going to be a lot of gem dropping in these newsletters. So definitely sign up for it. February's newsletter is supposed to be very robust. So I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. So go ahead and do that. And also, of course, follow us on IG, Frida's World, F-R-E-E-D-A. 
S underscore world. Slide up in the DMs if you have any questions, if you want to be a guest on the show, obviously. Um, you can also send your inquiries to Rita, R-I-T-H-A at Frida'sWorld.com. And last but not least, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. As you are listening to this show at the sound of my voice, press the subscribe button. If you're not already part of the Frida uh, family, um, but subscribe, share the episode, download the episodes. I need your help in order to rise up in the charts. This is a collaborative thing going on here. Um, but yeah, so on to the highlight of my week. <laughs> so every week I share the highlight of my week. For those of you who know the spiel, maybe you can step away for a second. But for those of you who are new to the platform, I share a highlight of my week every week as a way to stay grounded, as a way to stay appreciative of, you know, where I am in life. And also, and it's also a way to also highlight, you know, areas of improvement. Um, you know, we're all not perfect. Some of us think we are, but we're all not perfect. And, you know, a lot of us need a lot of work, <laughs> whether we want to believe it or not. And, the highlight of the week can just be acknowledging like, wow, I didn't know that I was deficient in this area or wow, like, man, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think that that was an issue for me. You know, let me, I'm happy that I'm aware that I'm doing this or I'm aware that I still need training in this or I still need to, ex you know, express, learn how to express myself, whatever it is, whatever the deficiency is or whatever the lack is, um, Sometimes we go, you know, we go through our day and then there's something that reminds us of this lack or there's something that we do and somebody calls us out and says, hey, you know, and then that just triggers like, oh, man, I really do need to like tighten up on this. And I find that to be a highlight because it's self-improvement. And I feel like we are all on a journey to move forward, to improve ourselves and to be the best, the best versions of ourselves. Right. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to be stagnant. I know for me, I'm consistently looking at ways to improve myself. Sometimes <laughs> maybe that maybe those directions or maybe those ways are not the best at the moment. But you know what? I'm trying. And I think that that's all that really matters is that we're trying to get to a place where we are comfortable, where we are confident, where we are you know, where we feel like we are our best selves and that's trial and error. You know, we might, we might try one thing that might actually set us back two steps, but you know what? You're trying and you recognize it. And so now you're trying to figure out how do I move forward? So that's where the highlight is for me. So this week, my highlight of the week is the fact that I I'm taking more riskier steps. And the reason that this is important for me is because I am a risk averse individual. I've always been, you know, a safe person when it comes to like, you know, my finances, when it comes to, you know, just living, you know, my day-to-day -day life, which is interesting because I'm also an adventurous person. Um, but I'm, I've always been oxymoronish. I've always told people this. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hard to pin down at times because I'll do one thing and then it'll look like you're like, Oh, Rita's adventurous. But then when it comes to other aspects of my life, it's like, Oh, Rita's really safe. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe it's not oxymoronish to be honest. Maybe it's just that I just know how to <laughs> compartmentalize certain things. And I know I, I just identify areas where I need to be safe in areas where I, I can be risky. And I think that, you know, I think that that's actually a normal pattern. You can't just be living on the wild side for everything in life. Right. Meaning like I'll, I'll jump out of a plane 
which can seem very risky. But then, you know, when it comes to my bills and making sure that I have enough money for the next week, I, you know, I, I might be a little more conservative in some areas like that. Either way, I am becoming a more, a much riskier uh, individual in terms of investments in myself. So I know I had hinted at like, you know, some announcements, some major announcements in the last couple of episodes. So basically the cat's out of the bag. I I finally got an office space um, that I am converting into a recording studio. It's still in the process because, you know, designs change and thought processes change, you know, on a whim. Again, always trying to improve, always trying to figure out what's the best um, direction But for at least a year, and for those of you who know me, I've been saying, you know, I wish I had an office space so that I could, you know, record so that I don't have to do it in my house. I don't have to bring guests to my house or I don't have to find, you know, I don't have to go on Peerspace and find, you know, random ass offices to record. Like, I really want a space where I can come in and just, you know, lay down some tracks, right? (laughs) Uh, Some podcast radio tracks. And I just felt frustrated, like, man, like, I feel like this would really help me take things to a new level, but I don't have the money, you know, I don't have the resources. And having money and resources is definitely important. You don't want to go broke trying to, you know, you know, I don't know, do certain things that are like side hustles. But, you know, I had to really sit down and say, well, how do I elevate? How can I elevate if I don't make this jump? You know, I looked at my finances and I'm like, you know what? (laughs) They're not the best, but I can make this little leap for now and do what I can. Maybe reach out to friends and family because people reach out, people reach out to me (laughs) for investments. Why can't I do that? Why can't I do that? So really just stepping out of my, you know, my myself and really taking a look, making an assessment and saying, you can do this with a little assistance, which means you're going to have to ask for help because that's not something I like to do. Um, and you could really make, you could really make waves, you know, Every, like the, the, the market is saturated. Yes, but nobody can do it the way you do it. And that's what I had to tell myself when I look at other people, I'm like, there's, There's a million people doing technically the same thing, but in different ways. And, you know, I know that I have a different flair about myself. Invest in yourself, Rita. So that's what I did. So I have an office space at the Brooklyn Commons um, in Brooklyn, New York. And I'm working on making it what I feel like it needs to be in order to do what I needed to do. So that is the risk that I took and I'm feeling I'm feeling more risky like I'm looking to see well you know what else can I do to ensure my future so even in the the realm of consulting I've had a lot of people come up to me and say how come you don't consult like you should probably consult you have a background you're a lawyer um and so I'm looking into that actually I'm trying to you know see what's the best fit for me but I'm actually going, I'm actually taking steps. Like I started in a separate LLC. Like I don't, <laughs> I don't know hundred percent what I'm going to be doing with it, but I started taking the steps that I know. Like I, I have faith that God is obviously going to direct my path. He's going to, you know, I don't know, order my steps. He's going to put me in the right direction as long as I hearken to his voice. 
because sometimes that's hard, but I'm trying to put put it out there in the universe intentionally. Like this is what I'm going to do. And so I'm really excited about that. And I feel like this is all really coming together. And that was my highlight of the week. So for today's show, I wanted to talk about an incident that took place (laughs) at work last week. And I feel like I've been dwelling on it more so because I'm trying to figure out whether or not, you know, whether or not, especially as black women living in America, um, we have an obligation in a sense to go with the flow (laughs) at work or can we really assert ourselves in the way that we feel like we need to and I know that sounds a little confusing but I guess I'll go into the story and then and then we'll and then we'll dissect together um but I find that as women of color we tote this very fine line as to when and where we can assert ourselves, when and where we could stand up for ourselves, um, and when we have to bow down. Or do we have to bow down? And this could just be a personality thing with me because I'm a Sagittarian. And for some of you guys, it might not mean anything because not everybody believes in the signs, but I believe that there's something to it. And as a Sagittarian, um, it's not that we're stubborn, but we are not easily moved. We are not easily intimidated by people. We are not easily checked. And some might, you know, say that this is borderline defiance, but I don't think it's defiance. I think it's standing up for yourself and, you know, and really being assertive. This might also be a product of, you know, me being Haitian. (laughs) for those of you who know anything about Haitians and Haitian revolution, we are a rebellious bunch, but rebellious for a cause. And we don't stand for anything. It's like, it's like a principle thing. And I know that this type of personality, this, this person who stands on principle, a lot of times we don't tend to do well in workplace settings when we are being directed by managers who can't manage or white people in general. I mean, it's it it becomes very difficult. Um, so either way, last week um, I had an incident at work, and it wasn't when I say incident is it, it's sounding much crazier than it actually was. But I came across, you know, in doing my job, I had, you know, there's there's my side, there's an opposing side, um, and we we're trying to like resolve some issues. Now, granted, I knew that this individual that I was, you know, up against or supposed to be negotiating with was an unreasonable individual. Like this is not like it it is known probably across the industry that this individual is very, very unreasonable. And a lot of their unreasonableness just stems from their actual work environment being a hostile work environment. He comes from a an environment that I would consider to be very hostile, very headstrong, very unreasonable. And, you know, they like to put on shows. It's a dog and pony show all the time. And, you know, being an attorney, you're obviously going to deal with individuals who are not unreasonable. Like, I mean, if any attorney I know has said that they've never been in a situation where they've dealt with an unreasonable opposing counsel or an unreasonable, you know, company, organization, union, whatever, 
Um, then I'm not, I don't know what type of law you're doing. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't, I don't know who you're interacting with. Maybe you're not interacting with anything. I don't know. I mean, clients are not always easy either. So, I mean, if you've had it cool, calm and collected your entire legal career, please DM me at uh, Frida's World and let me know where you're working because I need to apply. Um, but either way, so this particular individual who's known to be unreasonable, who's known to love a, a good dog and pony show, um, you know, was carrying on as always. And I've come to learn over time that apparently dog and pony shows in certain industries is what you have to do, right? Fine. I've come to terms with that. I've come to terms with people being unreasonable just to put on a show for their clients or, you know, for whoever they're representing. And so I'm fine with that, right? I've, I've come to be fine with that because usually I'm just like, you're wasting 15 minutes of my time. We could just get to what we need to get to. Pull me outside. Let's have a conversation outside of your client and let's get this done. Cool. Whatever. If you alert me that you're going to slam a table right quick, you know, I could, I can get, I can get with the dog and pony if it's not taking too much of my time. And also if I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm given the, the warning beforehand. I've dealt with this individual before. And so, yes, I've seen the dog and pony and, you know, fine. I expected that the second time that I encountered him that I would have to deal with the dog and pony, of course. But what I didn't expect was the level of disrespect that occurred toward myself because we were we allegedly had an understanding beforehand. He even told me that he wasn't going to come out of pocket. Um, but I guess, you know, the spirit was moving in him and he decided that he was going to escalate things to a level that was unreasonable. Now, I get, again, dog and pony, but when you escalate things to the point where you're now, you know, threatening and in trying to intimidate me to do something that you know damn well, I have no authority to do and that I cannot do because I just found out about this issue two seconds ago. And then you want to call a higher up that you know is going to call everybody in my circle to attempt to get me in trouble again for doing something that I know that I cannot do. That's problematic for me, especially in the instance where once I was, once I was, you know, uh, put in a position of like, well, you know, you're either going to do this or I'm going to call so-and-so. And me saying, well, give me a moment to reach out to my supervisor to see if there's a way that we can resolve it to see, to let her know or him know that, you know, here's the situation that I've just been put on to. How would you like me to proceed? Because, again, this is really not my situation. I was just brought into this, you know what would you like me to do? If anything, how would you like me to respond? And then you as the unreasonable opposing individual tells me straight up that you're not going to allow me to reach out to my superiors and instead threaten me with your superiors and escalate a situation that didn't need to be escalated. For me, that's problematic. And what ended up happening in this particular scenario is that this individual um, tried to intimidate me by invoking the name of one of his superiors that I, I was alleged I was supposed to be, I guess, um, afraid of. And the one thing that I've, you know, learned in life, and this is thanks to my mother and I guess my Haitian background, we 
we are we cannot be intimidated by people we've never met <laughs> and by people we don't know. It's very hard for me to be intimidated by somebody I've never met before in my life. And so, you know, when he invoked the name of this individual, I wasn't trying to be disrespectful, but if you're telling me that you're going to call somebody, my response to you was if that's what, you know, if that's what you need to do, like you can call them if that's what you need to do, because maybe you needed to work something out or discuss something with them about this particular scenario. Maybe you needed to find out whether you had a green light to continue, you know, put, you know, throw, pushing my back against the wall. I don't know. But if you're if you're if you're if the reason that you invoked the name of your boss was to instill fear into me, that wasn't going to happen because I'm not somebody who's intimidated by individuals. And it's one thing, you know, my mom always says, I don't care if you're the president of the United States, you're going to respect me. And if you're not going to respect me, I'm going to walk away. And the 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 situation kind of got a little more intense as I sat there. And was like, I'm just simply asking you respectfully to speak to my boss so that I can, you know, get some direction. And when you refuse and then you start to attack me, then I'm going to walk away because that's not what I'm going to do. So after that incident took place, um, you know, I'm getting calls now from, you know, my, my immediate boss who had really nothing to do with any of that just to find out what's going on. And I, and I think that conversation is kind of what reminded me of, ooh, Rita, I don't know about, 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 about this culture. It's the whole, you know, well, we are all, we've all gotten hazed. It's part of the process. Um, you know, we have to, sometimes it's like, it's not like you're bending over, but you kind of have to this is kind of how they are. This is how they do. This is how they, they operate. And I really, I really had to have that, like, you know, come to Jesus moment with myself where it's like, is this, is this where I need to be in a setting where I feel like if you stand up for yourself in in a respectable way, and I don't even call that standing up for yourself. I think it was just saying, Hey, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Let me call my boss. And if that's not respected, and if you're getting a talk because of that, is this a place that's going to actually support me? If, if something really goes down, like, am I not able to speak? Am I not able to respond? And it's kind of like, if you don't say nothing, you get in trouble, kind of. And if you do say something, it's like, ooh, but you shouldn't have. So that type of confusion, you know, definitely is unsettling for me. And it had me thinking on a larger scale. You know, I, I was talking to a couple of my friends about this particular incident and they were just like, girl, like this is crazy. And I'm like, yeah. And it's funny. I even had a conversation with my mother about it because although my mother and I, and I, t you know, I've said this um, several times, we don't, we don't always have the best relationship. And I think a lot of women um, can sympathize and empathize. Like, you know, when it comes to mothers and their daughters, there's always some funny business, right? But even with that, because I know that this is the woman that taught me to stand my ground in the face of others, <laughs> you know, it was actually very relaxing and very lethargic in a sense to kind of have this conversation with her. When it, and, I, and I told her, I'm like, you know, as a black woman, who has to leave their house every single day and enter into a world that is not for them, has, does not consider them, does not value them, a world in which you as a black woman, it, you're, you're invisible. 
you know, we have to leave our houses with these with these pressures every single day. We don't know what what's gonna what we don't know what we're gonna encounter. And now add the layer of being a parent, or especially in my case, being a single parent, having to deal with, you know, the struggles of raising a boy, you know, essentially by yourself in New York City. He goes to school. Is he gonna come back when you when when he accidentally butt dials you? Was it an emergency? You know, is is you know what's going on, on in school? What's going on in the playground? Is he going to get jumped? Is Are the cops going to roll up on him? And knowing that my son has the same personality as me, is his ass going to get beat up by the cops or shot? Like, you know, and then you have family pressures. A lot of us are heads of households. We run households. You could be married and still running a household because that's the dynamic. So you have that under your belt. If you have parents who are aging, which a lot of us in our 30-somethings, we do. We're taking care of, of, of family situations. If you're a first generation immigrant, um, child of immigrants, your immigration, your, you know, your, your parents still probably don't speak English very well. So you're, you're re, you know, you're taking care of their households. Like there is so much that we deal with. And then you come into the workplace and you don't, you know, you're, you're, you're not sure if you're respected, not respected. You don't know if these white people think that, you know, you're competent, not competent. You don't know if you're there just to be token. Rainbow Coalition, you know, you're, you're, you're not really getting, you know, promoted or you're in a situation where you're not really getting the best cases because, you know, you're not white, you're not a male. There's so many things that we as women of color deal with when we just wake up out of bed that our counterparts don't. And so the conversation I was having with my mom and with my friends was that they don't understand that when we come to work, it's a, we're already like we're already feeling stressed just by stepping foot into the building and knowing that we have to, you know, outshine, outperform, or attempt to figure things out on our own. Especially if you're in you're in settings where management is not that great, and and then you're black, and then you're trying to figure things out so that you're not seen as the incompetent black girl because even though you weren't giving the tools to to really perform, like there's so many things. That we are that's going through our minds when we're in the workplace. We don't have the privilege of just showing up to work and doing the job. We just don't. And I don't think that a lot of times. No, I know that our that management, our superiors or whatever, don't see it. They don't understand it. They or they try to, but they really don't get it. Um, And it's frustrating. And so. I had to sit there and like think, you know, when your supervisor, when management says, hey, this is part of the job. You just got to take it. If they yell at you, they yell at you. If they curse at you, they disrespect you like this is just part of the show. And I think if I was a white woman or a white male who did not have issues, um, who did not have, you know, the 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 um. I guess the added pressure of being an other, right? Yeah. I mean, if my personal life is really not that crazy and I don't have these social pressures and economic pressures, yeah, I, I can, I can, you know, reserve some energy to turn up, you know, with somebody who's unreasonable, who's cursing me out in my face and all this other stuff. I might be able to do that for the check. But I think when you are a person of color and you like, 
it's not that you're expecting work to be the safe space because it's not, but you're just like, man, I got to deal with people who, and this is where a lot of times professional women, professional people sound like they're being arrogant, but we're not. But this is the point where it's like you, you're sitting here and you're like, I went, I, I got my bachelor's degree. I went to law school when people didn't think you could make it, right? Because a lot of us, people didn't think we would be able to do it, but we did it. We went to law school. We passed the bar. Some of us, we passed several bars. We're practicing attorneys. Some of us went back to school for another degree. So you have a bachelor's law degree and a master's degree. And you passed the bar. You're licensed. You're a professional working individual and you are supposed to sit here and get disrespected, demeaned, cursed at, degraded by people with no degrees, people who don't even have a certificate, people who like who have no understanding of the struggles of higher education, especially as a as a black individual in America. That I think is disheartening a lot of times that, wow, this is what, like, do I have to deal with this or am I choosing to deal with this? And I think that that is what, that was the conclusion I came up with this week is what is it that I need? What, you know, what is it that works for me? How much am I willing to take for the check, right? And I think that a lot of us, Especially, you know, those of us in the in the corporate business law settings that have to really deal with because I feel like these areas are where the jerks lie, where the unreasonable people lie, where the poor managers lie. For whatever reason, these are the industries. And, you know, all we're trying to do is get a piece of the pie, make our money, do what we have to do, take care of our family. And it's a struggle to do that. And I think that a lot of us get to the point where we don't know what to do and we're just so fed up. And being fed up is stressful for us because we feel like our backs are pushed against the wall. We feel like there's nowhere to go. We're trying to come up for air, but we don't, and we're dying inside. We're dying at our cubicles. We're dying in our offices and we're tired of it. And it's now that I realize why you hear the stories of people leaving their six figure jobs to go make yoga pants. And I know I talk about yoga pants a lot. (laughs) Maybe one day, maybe this is God telling me I need to make yoga pants. But you hear these crazy stories and you sit here and you're like, man, that's crazy. But you're like, nah, now I'm like, no, that's not crazy. (laughs) I wish I was able to leave to go make yoga pants because it's about your mental health and it's about your your personhood. And that, and that is the word that I was, when I had brunch the other day with two of my girlfriends, um, from my, from the D, you know, what I used to work at, uh, the DA's office with. And these two women are amazing women. One is still an attorney. The other one is working in the financial sector. And, you know, we try to meet up and we try to be support systems for each other because we know that this world is crazy and we know that we need each other. And I told them, I'm like, I feel like my personhood, is in is being attacked like who who I am the essence of me and you know for some people they might be like yeah no I could take it it's cool but for me it's a it's like it's my it's my dignity and it's my respect and people say oh don't take things personal but it's not about taking things personal like oh I feel like you know you you really meant it when you said f you it's about is this what I'm is this what I went to school for 
And I have a saying that I've recently developed that may catch on. I don't know. But I but I actually told my immediate supervisor, who is actually a really nice person. And I told her and I was like, my mother did not leave Haiti to come to the new world for her children to be disrespected and demeaned. Her children who have professional degrees (laughs) to be disrespected by individuals without certificates like this is crazy to me. So clearly I have a lot to consider (laughs) and the consideration might be Rita figure out a way to get over this, figure out a way to deal, or it could be maybe you need to find something more suitable um, that does not leave you feeling like a shell of a person at the end of the day. And I think it's important, you know, as I I guess end on this note, I think it's important for us to really sit back and, you know, if we're, if you're in a situation that I'm describing right now, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling, you know, like uh, despair, if you, if you just feel like you just don't know what to do, um, I would say, you know, take an assessment of yourself, like, you know, what can you take? What can't you take? Right. I think that's really important because some of us can actually handle these crazy environments, but we were in our minds like, well, we don't want to, we don't want to. Sometimes it's not necessarily about what you want, but what you, but what are you able to do? What can you do? And I'm saying all this to you, not coming to you as an expert. Well, as an expert on BS, yes, because I have been to several, you know, several, I've been in several jobs where I've had that crazy ass manager that came out of nowhere. Um, And it's always come up to, you know, this manager wanted me to like, you know, be somebody that I didn't want to be or could not be or they were very abusive. Um, So I've been in all of these scenarios before. And what I've done is that I've left because your body can only take so much. And I think for me, the reason that I'm so, um, so adamant about this is because for the last couple of weeks, my body has really been like, you need to get this together. I have been in constant inflammation. Like literally, I feel like there is a fire under my skin. I've been to the doctors who, you know, now I have like, you know, an actual diagnosis. And so now it's like, yeah, stress aggravates your situation. And so if in it, and I struggle already with process, like I internalize things. So I internalize stress. I can be calm as a cucumber during the day. I will be very calm. But then in my dreams at nighttime, in my subconscious, I'm at war. I, I guess I'm cursing people out in my sleep or, or doing the things that I feel like I need to be doing during the day. But if I did them, I'd lose my job. So I think my my sleep is where I'm at war and I'm fighting these battles. Um, but either way, for me, it's now become a physical thing. There was a point in my life where I was able to internalize things, move on and whatever. And my body, you know, and I was fine. My body was fine, but I'm getting older and the way that I'm pro- my body is processing stress is not the same as how I was able to process it in my 20s, in my teen years. I'm in my 30s and my body is like, you might think mentally that you can handle these pressures, but physically you actually can't because, I mean, I was literally in bed for a couple of days 
swelling and i'm i'm still swelling actually but it's actually much better now my blood pressure has risen and it's been elevated for the last couple of weeks and i do not suffer from high blood pressure i actually have excellent blood high blood uh excellent blood pressure but now my blood pressure is high and it's been consistently high for the last couple of weeks and so when your body is talking to you, you have to listen to it or else. Because I've, I've been there before when I didn't listen to my body and my body was like, all right, no problem. You're, you're out for six weeks. And it's happened to me before. And I don't want it to happen again. And I don't want it to happen to you guys because it's not beautiful. It's not a walk in the park. It's not cool. And so I think it's important to have these conversations because I feel like sometimes people think that, you know, I don't have these issues. And they're like, oh, she's great. But I'm not always great people. I am not. I am in the struggle. I am in la lucha just like you guys. And I think I feel like that's why this podcast is important to me, because a lot of you do reach out and say, wow, like I didn't even know. Or you'll say, wow, I'm going through the same thing. And I was trying to figure out how to deal with it, too. You know, I don't always have the answers. And again, you know, it's from my perspective. And so there are people out there who work in these financial industries and these legal industries who are like, nope. I don't agree with that. And that's fine because maybe you can handle it. <laughs> maybe your body is not, you know, swelling up on you, um, you know, when somebody talks at you sideways. And that's great. I wish that I could be you, but I'm not. And I think we have to start realizing, you know, who we who we are, who are we really? What can we really accept? What can we take? What is our body saying? And not compare ourselves to other people who are, you know, who are seemingly at the top of their games with no issues and are climbing and doing all this other stuff. You have to focus on what is up with you. And that's what I plan to continue doing. That's what I hope, you know, I can get some sort of resolution sooner rather than later because, you know, Life is short. And I think, you know, with the Kobe Bryant situation, and I try not to jump on these bandwagons. I mean, I like basketball and I've always liked Kobe as a player. I wasn't a Lakers fan, but I'm one of those people who, again, I grew up on public television. Sports is what I watched. I have an appreciation for the for basketball. I love the sport. I like players as part of the team. So I don't have like, oh, I'm a Magic fan or I'm a, you know, this fan. Although I love the Knicks because, you know, it's New York. It is what it is. But um, I don't, you know, I, I like players. And so I liked, I liked Kobe as a player. And so with him passing at the age of 41, you know, everybody is shocked. People are crying. I mean, I'm not one of those individuals. I didn't know him personally. It's sad. I'm sad that another life of a, of another young black person is, is no longer with us. I'm sad that his daughter who was 13 years old, who hasn't even touched life yet is gone. I'm sad for the families now that have to deal with this grief because I know what losing a close person feels like and it's not good and you may never get over it. So I feel for them in that capacity. But I bring the Kobe thing up to basically just say that life is short. And when that happened, it again reignited this fire inside of me. It's like, Rita, figure it out. Figure out what you need to do. Figure out what your side hustle is going to be. Figure out what you need to do to get your life in a place that is healthy for you mentally and physically. You know, do what you need to do. Stop letting these, you know, these people, these jobs run you ragged. Because a lot of times we do that. We let our jobs and we let people run us ragged. And then at the end of the day, we have nothing left to give to ourselves. And so 
that's that's what the Kobe thing uh, re-highlighted to me because people die all the time. He's not the first person that reminded us that life is short, but it was the recent reminder that life is short. And so if you're having a hard time and if you're getting, if you're being, you know, dragged, you know, into the land of stress and anxiety because of a job or a supervisor, you can't, you might not be able to leave right now because we all got bills, especially those of us living in the Northeast. The struggle is real, but figure out a roadmap, figure out a plan, find something, find something that you can start stacking money, do something to get your life right. Because you don't, life is short. And then I don't, I don't want to like be in the hospital because my supervisor got me so frustrated or my, or, you know, my family member, it doesn't have to just be the job. My family member got me so riled up that now I'm in the hospital because I have high blood pressure and I almost had a stroke over some nonsense. We don't want that. Um, so hopefully this episode was intriguing. <laughs> hopefully it was informative. Um, and hopefully, you know, it's inspiring some of you guys to really to take more risks. It can inspire you guys to, you know, really do an assessment of your lives to figure out, you know, what's going right, what's going wrong, what you truly need, what is beneficial for you. And if you have to make that move, figuring out how to plot plot that escape, plot that exit in a way that's not going to leave you homeless on these streets. So with that being said, everyone, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Frida's World. Please, please, please do not forget to subscribe, rate and review. If you, you know, picked up a gem from this episode, definitely DM me. Let me know. Send me an email again at Rita at Frida's dot com. And... Talk to you guys next week. Whose world is this? It's Frida's world. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f*** with future. That's clash it. It's Frida's world.